welcome to the LeBron and OD podcast coming to you Saturday, oh, Saturday forgive me, Friday night, <laughs> May 11th, 2018 from the friendly confines of northern New Jersey and Dallas, Texas. Uh, I am Brian O'Donnell. With me, as always, is Kyle LeBron. It's been a very interesting NBA playoffs, especially in the Eastern Conference. The Western Conference, eh, not so much. Yeah, not so, so much. We'll start, we'll start right out of the gate with the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Toronto Raptors. And let me first get your thoughts on it, because I, I definitely have some strong opinions on this series. Indeed. So I was listening to our last episode, actually, before we got uh, before we started uh, this one. And, you know, it's so funny because you actually mentioned self-fulfilling prophecies when uh, we were talking about the preview previously for that series. And it's just so amazing how you mentioned that they don't believe that they can actually win. And you saw it in game one, and then it just carried over all the way into the end. Like I told you earlier, I'm the only thing that surprised me is that LeBron didn't have to actually like charge up in between games. He just gave him the business right from game one. Actually, he wasn't even that great in game one, but two, three, and four, he was phenomenal. And, you know, I the Raptors are who we thought they were, you know, pulling out the um, line from uh, Dennis Green. I mean, that's basically it. I mean, you know, they DeMar DeRozan is a nice player, but he's not he's not a guy that can carry you to a championship. He cannot be the best player on a championship team. Uh, Lowry, he is what he is. Um, you know, I, what disappointed me though, is that neither one of those guys wanted to take the bull by the horns in that series. And you saw, um, like Van Fleet putting up shots, like to win the game in an overtime. And, you know, this is what drove me nuts, especially in the first game. Cause the first game was the series. Like that was it right there. There was nothing even more to talk about after that. What drove me insane is Casey has a guy that has like an ice pack on his shoulder. And, you know, I'm not going to even get to that because what there were so many blunders that happened. Like you had the situation where they called a timeout. Kyle Lowry calls a timeout with like two seconds left in the shot clock. They have a couple seconds. Uh, they have a five second violation out of that timeout, which to me is completely unforgivable. And then you put in a guy to take the last shot in the fourth quarter and in overtime, a guy who had like an ice pack on his shoulder the entire time. It's like the equivalent of like icing your own kicker, man. It's like, could you imagine if a coach on his own team, like called the timeout when his kicker was about to kick, it'd be ridiculous. And that's what you, <laughs> dude, I mean, that's what you saw in that, in that situation. I mean, it, it was, Brian, I can't, I can't. I just can't with that series. I can't. Let me know your thoughts on it. I can't. I just can't. All right. So we have, we have a couple. We, we can obviously tie a couple things into this. First, we'll start off with the actual play on the court. And yeah, we did, we did talk last week about, and it's, it's funny, the, the series is over in, in a week. I mean, it's, yeah. it's pretty, pretty crazy. And, and I had gone into the series saying, oh, but Toronto has been so efficient. They had way more wins and, you know, we, we, they have to be optimistic. And, but, you know, you got to question, do they actually believe that they can win? And, you know, there was the incident uh, last year when DeMar DeRozan basically said, uh, we lost because they have LeBron. And just that mindset of, 
we're going to lose because LeBron's on the other side. Like, we can't beat LeBron. LeBron's just too good to beat. And it's like, well, if LeBron's so – if LeBron's a great player. But if LeBron is so unbeatable, then how come he only has the three titles? Yeah. He's been to the finals like eight times. Yeah, so you he's know, beatable. We're not talking about a guy who's like been to three finals, won three times. And uh, listen, he's gotten he's gotten bad bad rosters to the final. But he's not unbeatable. What I just find absolutely insane is just Toronto's lack of confidence. And you know, we Dwayne Casey got fired. Yes, he did. And I have to I have to be honest, I straddle I kind of straddled the fence and I know everybody likes to have really hardcore takes as they put it in 2018. Mm -hmm. Everything's a hot take or a cold take or whatever, but you're firing the coach. You're essentially choosing between the roster and the coach. This is a guy who's been there for seven years. When he took them over, they were like a 30 win team. And over the course of seven years, every single year, but one, he has increased their win total up through this year. And I understand they had a bad loss, but you can't tell me those players don't have an inferiority complex. I agree. I, I, and a, co- a oh. coach cannot fix that. A coach, no matter if you brought Phil Jackson in his prime or Steve Kerr right now, he's not coming in and changing that mindset. That is inherent in them as players because, quite frankly, they're not as good as LeBron, and they know it. Yeah. They do and know if they it. got to the finals and played the Warriors, they wouldn't be as good as them. And if they played the Rockets, they would look across and say, uh, but we're Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. We're not as good as James Harden and Chris Paul. How can we possibly win? Like, it's a mindset. There's a reason they keep getting eliminated when they do. They don't have problems in the first round. They have problems as they advance through the playoffs. Yep. Because it's like they have this, it's like a mental voodoo like going on with them. They, Bad jujus. You know what? These are guys who, you know, Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan was a, he was a pretty big high school recruit when he went to USC and he was, you know, the Mm -hmm. the OJ Mayo team. And, you know, OJ Mayo is kind of considered the guy who is expected to really be something. Well, DeMar DeRozan turned out to be, to be the better player. Kyle Lowry was, you know, he went to a Final Four with Villanova uh, when he was young. He was like a freshman and on that uh, Alan Ray and um, uh, Scotty Reynolds uh, team from mm-hmm. uh, Dante Cunningham in, the, in like the 05. Uh, sorry, you know, in the, the mid-2000s. So he, he was somebody who like had that college experience, but he was drafted late. And why was he drafted late? Because he was essentially a six-foot point guard who wasn't great defensively. And, you know, he could shoot and he could drive a little bit, but he wasn't like overwhelming. He was not an overwhelming athlete mm-hmm. that, that it requires that you require that's required to be like a lottery pick. So they both of these guys, I feel like, have some physical limitations. DeMar DeRozan's physical limitation is that he's not a great outside shooter. Mm-hmm. In fact, I wouldn't even call him a good outside shooter. He's just kind of OK. Kyle Lowry is not physically overwhelming. And the mistake that Toronto made in their roster construction, in some ways it, it would remind – to me it reminds me a little bit of the Bulls teams from like the Derrick Rose years okay. where Derrick Rose represents DeRozan combined with Lowry. It's like that – when you combine them, it's like an MVP candidate combined. Mm-hmm. 
but the rest of the squad is just made up of too much of kind of role players. You know, Serge Ibaka is your third best player. If he's your third best player, you're not winning a title. <laughs> it's true. And he, it's not that he's a bad player. No, you want a player like him. You just but don't if want he's, him. If he's your fourth best player, then you're talking about a really good team. Yeah. And the mistake that a lot of teams make is that they overvalue their third bananas. And, uh, you know, when guys are really on a really good team or fourth bananas, like if you go back to like those Laker teams of the early two thousands, or even we could even take a flashback to like the nineties bulls. Mm -hmm. Who would you say on those early 2000 Laker teams, we have, you know, Shaq and Kobe, Mm -hmm. whatever order you want to put them in at that point, it was Shaq was the dominant force and Kobe was, you know, an unbelievable player. They had Glenn Rice, Right, mm-hmm. and then did. their their fourth best player. And they had who else was in the starting lineup? Like Rick Fox and uh, yeah, like a Derek Rick Fisher. Fox, uh, uh, Derek Fisher, Ron Harper, yeah. who was on the Bulls teams as well. Um, I think they also do. They also have Horace Grant on one of those teams. They might have, but what yeah. you're alluding so it's like to, what, if you're talking about if you're talking about like a Horace Grant as your fourth best player, that's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, that, you that was, was pretty good. But Shaq and Kobe were arguably they were both top five players at that point in the NBA. I mean, right. like Tim Duncan was up there at that point. Uh, Allen Iverson was obviously up there at that point. But Kobe and Shaq were definitely like top players as well. Okay, I don't think so, that DeRozan and Lowry fit that same mold, if you will. No, they don't. But like, let's say go back to the '90s Bulls, and I understand they had Jordan and they had Pippen, and mm-hmm. you know, I don't think anybody would have said in the late '90s, especially in the late '90s teams, I don't think anybody would have said Pippen was a top five player, but he was no. probably no. he was definitely top ten. Yeah. Um, you know, Rodman. Rodman. People, people would consider Rodman the third best player, right? Mm-hmm. The fourth best player was Tony Kukoc. That's the perfect fourth best player because he was the guy that would go like sixteen and seven. Indeed. And that's the perfect fourth piece. Sort of like if, when you look at the Cavs team that won, right? You have you have LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin Love. Uh, Kevin Love. Well, then the fifth best player was you're talking about a rotation of guys. You know, maybe a real dirty work kind of guy in Tristan Thompson who's averaging like ten and ten. You know, it's th- those kinds of things are like who your fourth best player is is important. Mm-hmm. If they had, to, if you elevate guys that are not truly dominant players to your third best player, you're probably not winning a title. I agree. That's why Golden. That's why Golden State is so good, because their fourth best player is Draymond Green, yep. and on most teams, he would be the second or third best player. Yep. It's just it's, it's Toronto is not construct. Their roster construction is it's a bit. It's just not going to win a title. Yeah, they don't have and a closer. They, they don't. I mean, that's what drives me nuts. Like I, oh, the series. It was so painful to watch because you could just see the train wreck happening. And I don't know, oh, Van Fleet like taking shots like to finish the game. Like you give Demar Derozan all that money, you give Kyle Lowry all that money, and then you're going to let some random dude like come off the bench and take those shots. I, it's unforgivable, man. It's completely unforgivable. So while you were like on the fence with Casey, I want to say. I'm firmly with the, he's got to go because you can't. Well, well, let me ask you this question. Let me, let me ask you this question. Yeah. Do you think that Steve Kerr could get this team to the finals? No. 
then then why does the coach have to be the one to get his head cut off? Because he made unforgivable mistakes at the end of the day. I mean, I will say this. I don't know if Steve Kerr would be the right fit for this lineup because what Golden State is doing is just something completely different. With that in mind, I feel like if you give Brad Stevens this exact same team, I feel like he'd be able to get them. He would have gotten them past the Cavaliers because Toronto should have beaten Cleveland. Like, Let me make this very, very clear. Their roster— Indiana should have beaten Cleveland. I agree. But Cleveland's got nine lives, and they got LeBron James. That kind of helps. But Toronto should have won this series— and the coaching was a huge problem. I mean, Kyle Lowry, or yeah, Lowry shit the bed when he called that timeout with like one and a half seconds left on the shot clock. And then to have a five second violation on the inbounds pass to me is simply unforgivable. Like that, that's mental stuff. Like that is mental things, and you as a coach need to prepare your team for it. I just don't believe that Dwayne Casey is going to be able to get this team any further at this point. I think that. I mean, you could have left him, but the results would have been the same. Toronto has a whole series of problems, though. They don't, they're never going to be able to attract a big time free agent. So that's a huge problem. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to get a coach that's better than Dwayne Casey. I'm going to be completely honest with you. The guys that are out there, I mean, what are they going to get? Like Jerry Stackhouse, Mark Jackson, like those seem to be like the names that are thrown out there a lot now. So I would never, I would never hire Mark Jackson. No, I wouldn't either. Like, you know, we, we saw, we, 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 we saw, what happened with Mark Jackson when when a real coach came in to replace him? Yeah, you know the same the same group of players went from like fifty wins, like, like playing good defense. Like think about this for a second. Quite possibly, the best offensive team that we have ever seen in the history of the league. Quite possibly the yeah. best offensive team, right? Under Mark Jackson was a middle of the road offensive team. Think yep. about that. Yeah, they played pretty good defense, but he like he couldn't adapt his mentality to his roster of players. And the the definition of a great coach is being able to adapt to his his roster. And you brought up Brad Stevens before and we'll get to you know, we'll get to to Boston you know shortly. But yeah, listen, if if we're strictly talking about X's and O's and you know, uh, percentage of successful plays coming out of timeouts Brad Stevens is is unparalleled. Yeah, he's unbelievable. Now, I, I mean, and and the, what he did at the college level, getting, you know, listen, I know Gordon Hayward was was on that first Butler team. That first Butler team was way better. That second Butler team, getting that team to the finals, was insane. It was a feat of strength. It was a feat of strength, and 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 the way they played, it was so. It was like. It was an adjustment from the previous year. Like he knew what his roster was capable of. And so when he got that job with the Celtics, I remember thinking, that's a master stroke. I can't believe. And I remember thinking because at that time, their roster was really bad. Mm -hmm. They had a lot of future picks, but their roster was complete dog crap. And I remember thinking, wow, they, they got Brad Stevens. I said, why would he go to that job? I said that they must've said to him, listen, you are gonna, you're gonna help groom us through these picks. Like, you're gonna be here for like seven years, ten years, fifteen years, and you're gonna grow with this this team. And he was like, "Cool," because I, I mean, obviously, everybody thought he was destined for massive college things. Like, he took two really overmatched teams to the NCAA final. Yep. 
he's a great coach, but how many, how many of those guys are available right now? And I know you just brought up Jerry Stackhouse's name. Jerry Stackhouse was like, Jerry Stackhouse, you know, from, from what I have read has been an unbelievable G league coach. Mm -hmm. And I know it's the G league, but you know, he's won a G league title. He apparently like is really, he's apparently like, you know, he reacts well to the players, but apparently, you know, I don't know if you know this about, about Jerry Stackhouse. There, there's talk out there that if there's anybody who's played in the NBA that you don't want to get into a fight with, it's Jerry Stackhouse. Apparently he's like a guy that you don't cross. So it's like, he's got the respect, but he also has that like, you know, it's like, he's got a toughness about Mm -hmm. it. I love it. I would love to see him get a job. I'd love to see it. I would love to see it because you know what? The other names that I keep hearing, the Mark Jacksons and then uh, Budenholzer and oh no, you know these different names. I'm thinking, do you really want to go through the retread? Is the retread really the answer? How many retreads in the NBA go win titles? Very, I can't think of any. Yeah, no, there's none. There's zero. Larry, Larry Brown. Larry Brown. Larry Brown's the only retread that I've ever seen win a title. He was actually a halfway decent coach, though. I mean, he just, I don't know, he just never had the type of rosters really that you needed. Uh, to get over the top, if you will. And, and you know, so what I always come back to is like, yeah, you know what? A bad coach can lose a good team, a championship for mm-hmm. sure. Definitely. But a great coach does not get a overmatched roster to win a title in the NBA. It happens in other sports for sure. It's, yeah, it's happened NBA, it's in tough. football. It's happened in football, but honestly, basketball and baseball, it's about talent. No, a bad a bad manager, a bad coach can absolutely screw it up. Definitely. But I, I in my I truly don't believe that 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 the coach is the reason why a basketball team like a team who's you know, maybe like the sixth best roster in the league, the coach is not the reason they didn't win the title. The reason they didn't win the title is because they have the sixth best roster in the league. And, you know, we all know that if you look at the history of the league, the teams who win the title, well, the teams with the best players, you, pretty much. Yeah, every the time. teams, the teams with the best players. There's usually every single season you watch the league play out. My goodness, we're looking at the Celtics, the Warriors, the Rockets, and the Cavs in the finals. You would make the argument that apart from the Cavs. The other three teams have three of the top like five rosters in the league. Of course, they're in the, the semifinals. Indeed, indeed, I agree. So, so it's like I, I just I understand. It's like it's easier to fire a coach than it is to blow up your roster. But why not? Why not do something drastic to your roster? Your roster is the problem. I agree, but who's going to trade for Demar Derozan after seeing that garbage? Guy has to get benched in the whole fourth quarter, then he gets ejected in the next game for being an idiot. So Listen, you can't, you, you know, can't trade for him. But I, I kind of go back to those Dallas Maverick teams, right? Mm-hmm. Those Dallas Maverick teams. Yeah. They had Dirk and they tried it with so many, like, you know, they had tried it and then Nash left and they kept trying it. And then it they worked. really made, they made some changes. They said, you know what? Let's get Sean Marion. Mm-hmm. Let's get an old Jason kid. Like a, guys who are maybe chasing titles. And eventually, finally, they broke through. And they broke through because 
if you win 59 games long enough, you win between like 55 and 62 games for a long enough period of time, you will make a finals. Because at some point, somebody will get hurt, some great player will get hurt, and you'll find your path to the title. And you know what? That one year in the playoffs, you get hot. Eventually, it, you'll have your moment. Just like those Knicks teams of Pat Riley, right? Mm-hmm. They just kept winning like 55 games every year. And then eventually, Jordan retires and they get to the finals. Now, they lost, they lost, the, chan- they lost the finals to the Rockets, a, a series they threw away, but they were there. Because they stuck with it and they made tweaks here and there. Toronto is not making tweaks. They're basically just trotting out the same roster every year, winning 50-something games and losing in the second round. What is the point? What is the point in the NBA of being in limbo? There's no point in being in limbo. Limbo is the worst place you can be. You're in basketball limbo. At least, at least when you were, at least when the the, the Sixers were were going through the process. At least they were getting top five draft picks. You had the hope of maybe this guy is the next star player. And you know what? They ended up with two of them. Indeed. Although we'll get to that. Actually, you know what? That's a great segue. It is. It is a great ben, segue, ben actually. Simmons, ben Simmons. <laughs> ben Simmons might be the most overrated, overrated, overhyped player in the league this season. And, you know, oh. Oh, God. You know, throughout the season, I would hear, oh, he's so amazing. Look at these stats that he's averaging as a rookie. Listen, that's great. But you know what? He still can't shoot. In, in he, doesn't, it, he doesn't even know what hand to shoot with. He got exposed hard. And it's tough because I already put Ben Simmons in the Hall of Fame, as you know. And I do, I do remember and, that. And how's, know, <laughs> how's that how's that bet looking right now? No, it's it's well after that. Do you do you wanna do you wanna go back and hedge your bet on that or well? He might have to get taken out of the Hall of Fame at least for this offseason because that it was rough. I mean, you cannot go into a game and score one point. Like it's just not gonna get it done. And you know, he's gonna have to work on that jumper because Oh, he's gotta start. He literally has to start next week. Monday comes around, you know. No, he, he better have he already started, it. to he be get, honest. He gets home from Australia, he gets home from Australia, you know, celebrating Mother's Day. He's gotta He's got to fly back, and he's got to go with the shooting coach, and he's got to literally throw up a thousand shots a day. Uh, he's he has to. More. He's got to learn. It doesn't matter how long it takes. He's got to figure this out because he got I mean, exposed, St- man. Like the seventy six ers should have destroyed. Stevens was the perfect guy. Stevens was the perfect guy to to just basically say, "Hey Ben, go ahead and shoot." I cannot believe that. This has not been done more. And if you think next, if he doesn't get this fixed, because it was a problem in college mm-hmm. and it was a problem this season, he has no outside shot. Zero. And I understand he was still able to drive on people, even them knowing he was going to drive. But that only gets you so far. And when when the idiot coaches in the NBA finally watch what Brad Stevens was able to figure out, which is... I mean, I, I felt like I brought this up a few weeks ago with like, what did people used to do with Ray John Rondo? Yeah, just let it was him like shoot. people knew people knew Ray John Rondo couldn't shoot, so it was like we'll pack the paint and tell tell Ray John, hey, go ahead and take that eighteen footer because <laughs> <laughs> you know it's going to be Dude, a brick. They, Rick Carlisle did that to LeBron James, man, in that twenty eleven yes. finals. Man, he did the same exact thing to him. It's like, so, come on, so LeBron, you shoot. So that's that's super interesting because obviously Dwayne Casey is like known as a defensive-minded coach, all right? 
Dwayne Casey was Rick Carlisle's like defensive assistant during those finals. Yep. And you know, the claim was, was that Dwayne Casey masterminded that defensive strategy that they executed against that heat team. And one of the reasons why LeBron takes beating Toronto so personally is that he's obsessed with beating Dwayne Casey. Indeed. Well, Dwayne Casey doesn't have the right. He doesn't uh, have have a job now. So, well, I think, I don't think he, I mean, he could really take the year off and just get paid by Toronto. Uh, I was thinking about where could he go. I mean, that Milwaukee job is open, but I don't know if that's a good fit necessarily because who knows if Giannis will stay long-term. But I do think that maybe not this year, but the following year, there will probably be some good options. You know, who the hell knows, man? Uh, 76ers, maybe that job will be open next year and he can slip right in there, get a upgrade when it comes to talent. So, you know, I was, I guess, you know, this is just really off topic. Do you think, you know, we've we've talked about all these different things with LeBron and stuff. What is Milwaukee's cap space right now? What is their cap space? I have no idea. But they, I mean, their roster is actually pretty damn good. And they actually have like a, like Giannis is ridiculous. You know, we've heard all this stuff about LeBron. It's like, you know, we've heard Cleveland, L.A., uh, Philadelphia. I mean... If you're LeBron, God, I I think that Milwaukee situation might be the best place to go. You go there and essentially handpick the head coach. You go handpick a head coach and you're playing with Giannis. Uh, Brogdon, great defensive stopper, can hit down the, the open three. Uh, figure out whatever you're going to do with Eric Bledsoe. Mm-hmm. I tell you, that's, that might be a pretty good place to go. If you want to play with star power, and Giannis is only going to keep getting better. Yeah, he's gotten yeah. better every year in the league. I, I just think that, you know, he's not going to go to Milwaukee, but I tell you, that would be super interesting. Yeah, it would definitely be something. Because, uh, because you know, that, that that's a place that's been really badly, you know, poorly coached. That, that's the best way to put it. But anyway, getting back to uh, getting back to the series at hand, uh, you know Toronto. I think you know you said Dwayne Casey should be fired. I I don't think so. Um, on the other on the other uh, series, the Sixers talking about poor coaching or kind of coaches being overmatched. The Sixers yeah. and Celtics series was, I mean, it was a thing of beauty. I mean, it was it was a Brad Stevens masterclass. Yep. Uh, I think if the two teams switch coaches, I think that the series is over in five games the other way. I agree. It might know, even be a four-game sweep. I mean, it, oh, I don't know, man. The 76ers just left so much on the table. And again, you could see the coaching at play. Again, inbounds plays. It's like they were always at the disadvantage. Uh, you know, oh. late game situation, they were always at the disadvantage. And it's like, even when they had a lead with like two minutes left in the game, they would still find a way to lose, which was unbelievable to me. They'd go on like a quick like run and then they wouldn't score any baskets for like three, four minutes. And it's like, what are you guys doing? Like, I don't understand. I totally agree with you. I mean, the Sixers had a couple games that uh, I felt like they threw, you know, if you ask them, they would say we threw it away. Um, even in even in game five, you know, with that sort of, hey, 
if we can get through this game, we get it back home for game six. And I just felt like in the final like two minutes of these games, every close game, they they found ways to lose. Indeed. You know, Embiid like dribbled the ball off his like leg. I mean, it, it was very frustrating to watch because I was very, very big on the Sixers. I've already put Embiid and Ben Simmons in the Hall of Fame, though I did on just now had to take Ben Simmons out of the Hall of Fame, at least for this offseason. Embiid is still there, but oh, it, it was very frustrating. And to hear uh, their coach say, I think it was today even, that they need more help if they want to get to the finals. It's like, no, like you definitely had everything you needed to get to the finals this year. You guys just didn't freaking execute. Like, that's the problem. Like, that was the issue. Yeah, I mean, you know, I go back to the, I go back to the whole winning titles and who is your third and fourth best player, essentially. And yeah, you got Simmons and right now, Ben Simmons can't be your second or even your best player and win a championship. Not with the way that he shoots right now. Not with the way he shoots right now. You know, uh, I'll be honest. Had they taken, had they taken Jason Tatum instead of Markel Fultz, we'd probably be looking at a very different situation right now. I think, I think they would cruise through the East. Tatum was Tatum has throughout the season got progressively better, mm-hmm. and and I and I, I thought coming in, you know, I, I had some conversations at work around the time of the draft last year, and there was we had this kind of debate of who would you take number one, and I said, I said it depends who has the number one pick, and I I said the problem is Philly feels like they need a point guard, even though it turns out Simmons is kind of going to be like a point forward. Yeah, like these guys, like they. I guess they positioned uh, Markel Fultz as kind of like a combo guard, like what they were looking at. And, I mean, athletically, I mean, he, he looks great. I mean, he can run and jump and do all that yeah, great but you stuff. Know what? But he's, not a, he's, not a, he's not one of these high-twitch athletes. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like where they're just jumping through the – you know, they jump through the gym and yeah. they just stand out as being this incredible he's athlete. He's not Westbrook, let's say. No, no. Or like, uh, you know, you look at these guys like uh, Jordan or, you know, even if you look at like uh, DeMar DeRozan, I mean, this guy's, this guy's a really like, you know, the, the, you know, super high twitch. Like the, the muscles are just like, these guys are just ripped out of their minds and can yeah. jump out of the gym. So I remember w- when I was having this conversation, I said, Markel Fultz is... I said he's going to go number one just because of his stats. You know, it was like twenty-five and five in college or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I said maybe they should take Lonzo just because guys have to get the ball. But I said I don't think Lonzo and Simmons fit together. I'm oh, sorry, yeah, Lonzo and Simmons fit together because you have two guys whose outside shot are a little shaky. And I said honestly, the safest pick they could take. And I said I don't know if he's going to be a star or not, but I said the safest is Jason Tatum. I said, I, I said, worst case, 15 and seven. I mean, isn't it, wasn't mm-hmm. that, I, that was the worst case scenario of him coming in because he was sort of a round peg in a square hole at Duke. There was other players that they were trying to feed. It was whose team is this? Luke Kennard was there. He was the veteran on the team. Uh, you had Tatum. Uh, you had Grayson Allen thinking he was, you know, hot shit. <laughs> and Jason Tatum, like there was sort of a power struggle between the young guys and the older guys in that team of 
who should really be taking the shots in crunch time? And, you know, there was some rumblings that Coach K was really kind of, he was frustrated by Tatum because Tatum wanted to take more shots and K didn't want him to. So it was, it was kind of a weird dynamic. And athletically, though, he, I mean, he looks the part. Yeah, he, I think. But it, it was a matter of what is he? Is he an inside player? Because height-wise he is, but physically he wasn't built for it. So it was, can he play the three at the NBA level? And as the season's gone on this year, I mean, the, the, answer, the answer is, is yes. Yeah, the answer is yes, for sure. Um, I think that if we were redoing the draft all over again, I'm just looking at it right now. There are a whole bunch of like players that definitely wouldn't. Like, I don't think Markel Fultz would have even been a top 10 player the way his season shook out. Um, oh, he had a terrible season, and I mean, I mean, Kyle, he he forgot how to, how to shoot, shoot for like five months. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and I can't say that this is a guy who like struggled with shooting in college. Shooting was not a problem, but this guy gets to the this guy gets to the preseason. Yeah, and he apparently had like you know shoulder problems, but he couldn't shoot. I mean, his free throws were he was airballing free throws, and he had a weird hitch in his shot, and I was like. What is this? Like a five-year-old learning how to shoot? Like, what is this? Well, that was the number one pick in the NBA draft. That's oh, what that was. God. It was so <laughs> bad. And then, you know, late in the regular season, you're giving him, you're getting him like, you know, 20 minutes a game. And then come the second round, you're playing him three minutes a game. Yep. That's it's the number just, one pick in the draft. It's mind-blowing. And, you know, but, you know, Brett Brown got really overmatched and, you know, maybe part of it was this is, you know, Philadelphia's first kind of go around in the playoffs. Um, and, and and most of these guys, you know, Ben Simmons never played in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joel Embiid didn't play in the NCAA tournament either because he had the he had the injury, he had the foot injury. Indeed. Um, so these guys are not like really tested in the spotlight. Um, whereas a guy like Stevens was and. Uh, you know, when he was coaching Butler and then you have guys like, you know, Jalen Brown played in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, Marcus Smart is just like a – he's a pain in the ass but, you know, gets the job done. Yep. Uh, Terry Rozier, Scary Terry, has been he's shockingly been, good. Yeah. And I cannot – I can't <laughs> believe – I can't believe how good he's been since Kyrie's gotten hurt, especially in the playoffs. I know. I mean, he had one turnover in the first two rounds of the playoffs. Yeah, the guy – I mean – just unbelievable play. I mean, really the whole Celtics, man. Like, it, it's just a masterful coaching job. It is a masterful, uh, just seeing, you know what really surprised me more than anything, man? It is the late game execution of the Boston Celtics that has really blown me away. Like, when it is crunch time, all these young players, they know where they need to be and they are making the plays that they need to make. Like, the only play I think that was uh, not to one of the young guns was the one, uh, the inbound to Al Horford, which again was another master class play because Brad Stevens drew up the exact switch that he wanted. It happened just like he saw it and it it all worked out beautifully. It's just unbelievable. Like, the Boston Celtics have really, really overachieved and I'm, I'm excited for that series. Personally, well, yeah. Oh no, you go. So when I look at the the Boston performance through the first two rounds, I felt like Milwaukee had their opportunities. Mm-hmm. 
the Sixers had their opportunities, but Boston has, as you said, late game execution has been incredible. They've been winning every tight game. Yep. Every tight game they've walked out with the win, apart from, I think, one against Milwaukee. But they've just been so efficient and they've, they've executed so well late in close games that, you know, I, I just think if you told me a couple, like two months ago when Kyrie went down, that this Boston roster would get to the conference final, I would have said, no way. I, I just thought they would probably end up being a little too young, a little too overmatched. Yeah, but now I now I look at it with them going into the the Cavs series, and while I do think who's going to guard LeBron, you know, especially with Jalen Brown kind of being a little iffy. Mm-hmm. Uh, now now I, I I give them a legitimate puncher's chance. They can. This is absolutely a toss up, and I don't think roster wise that these are the two best teams in the East, or should I say, Boston is not a full strength. If Boston was at full strength, I think they are the best team in the East. I agree with this. I actually think that the, like, to be completely honest with you, man, I think the 76ers had the best roster, to be honest. I mean, even though Markel Fultz couldn't shoot, but, you know, coaching was the difference in that series. Uh, you know, the Bucks don't have a bad roster either, but again, coaching's a problem there. Uh, Toronto, you outlined that the players are the problem, but I do think the coaching was a problem there too, but uh, I can't say that it was just coaching. I mean, DeMar DeRozan's just not a big big game player. So there is that, but I, for as great as Brad Stevens has been, I don't know. I think, I think this series goes six games. I think the Cavs win it in six. I don't see, I mean, Boston hasn't lost a game at home this postseason yet at all. I believe at least, I don't think they've lost a game yet at home. So I guess if they hold home court, maybe it'll go seven, but I don't think I, I just can't see a team. They might be able to give him trouble like Indiana did, but I ultimately think that LeBron will rise and shine when it matters and will take him out. That's what it comes down to. They, The Cavs have LeBron. Boston doesn't. If they would have had Kyrie at least, I'd again, I'd give them a really good chance. And I might even say they could beat him, but I just don't... I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. I mean, Brad Stevens is definitely going to be a, a plus in the coaching department because I, I just don't see Ty Lue as a... I don't think of him as like an elite coach. Let's go with that. And he's just very fortunate that he has LeBron James. Like that, that's what it comes oh, down no to. There's no question. No question. So I think that it'll be a 4-2 series in favor of Cleveland. That's how I see it. I just think that LeBron will give him the business and just keep adding to his already ridiculous career and legacy. How do you see that series playing out? So obviously Boston has home court. They do. I don't. I don't think the home court really, really matters in this. Nope. I think both teams have had some moments in these playoffs where they looked very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I don't think either one of these teams wins the finals if they get there. Unless no. uh, the only way I would give it is, you know, maybe Cleveland if they if they're playing Houston. Just because you know LeBron, LeBron has a mental kind of voodoo on people, um, especially if they've if they've never won and he they just kind of feel overwhelmed. There's no way Golden State loses to either one of these teams. No, no way. If I have to bet on it, I will take Cleveland in seven. All right, I can but see. I, it. I, 
I do believe that Boston can win the series, but if a gun to my head, I think Cleveland wins. All right, very good. And I think what they basically have been saving everything for the play. I think they've been saving everything for the playoffs. Yeah, I think Indiana gave a good scare. LeBron is just playing at such a high level. I mean, he's just playing at such a high level. But they they need to have Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson continue to play well. All of them are playing well. J.R. Smith is even making shots. I couldn't even believe it. Like last series, like all of a sudden against the Toronto Raptors, he sees DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. Oh, I can make this corner three all day. Like him. Uh, Kyle Korver, Kyle, like, oh my goodness, man. He was killing these guys, man. All of them. I, I, once Cleveland got past game one and they realized that Toronto's got no shot and they ripped their heart out, that was it, man. These, they feasted on them for the rest of the series. It was unbelievable. For sure. I mean, it's, uh, it'll be interesting, you know, moving forward, it's definitely going to be interesting. But obviously, you know, when I, when I don't see true stars on the other side, I don't care how good your coaching is. I'm going to take the team with, with, with honestly, the best player. Indeed, probably the best of, well, clearly the best of this generation, that's for sure. So He's the, he's the best of the last 20 years. We'll, we'll, leave, it at that. we'll yeah. leave it at that. Yeah, I would say that there would be a pretty large gap between him and the next person in the last 20 years. Like, it doesn't matter who you put in there. Uh, Duncan... Um, Shaq. Well, I mean, it's 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 you know probably Duncan, Kobe, and Shaq would be the the ones yeah. that would that would come to mind, yeah. And that would be it. And he's better than all of them. Like he is. I mean, yeah, his his career has been better than all of them. Yes. Yeah. I mean, maybe at there. I will say this though about LeBron at his absolute apex, he might not necexarily be as great as those guys were at their absolute apexes. Uh, well, maybe better than Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan's apex wasn't exactly as ridiculous, let's say, as LeBron's was, because. The one thing I do lament about LeBron is that I, he is like the absolute model of super high consistency. Like, I mean, it's one thing to like, oh, I'm averaging like 25 a game. This guy is like 27 a game every single game. Like, it is unbelievable how consistent this guy is, like, all throughout the course of his career. Like I said, LeBron's a true treasure. I love him. And it, it again, it'll be a sad day when he's no longer in the NBA because he's, he's great for the game. He is, but you know, uh, with the way he's built and how well he's still playing, uh, in many ways, I feel like we could end up with like a Tom Brady situation with him, where the guy's forty and still doing it. Like, yeah, he's just he's sh- he is the NBA's version of a guy who's just not slowing down. And you go back to like when I mean Kareem Abdul-Jabbar didn't slow down until he turned like forty. That's why his scoring, you know, his scoring record was as, as far away from everybody as it was. LeBron, LeBron's very similar in that sense. Where just you look at him and you say, "God, he's he's an incredible physical shape for a guy who's thirty three years old." Yeah, he's thirty three. He's not, you know, when Jordan retired the second time, Jordan was thirty five. Yep. And Jordan had definitely athletically slowed down in those last two years. So I'll be curious to see what LeBron looks like in two years. Uh, but LeBron is just—he is—he's the greatest physical specimen yeah, that I think that I think sports has ever seen. I couldn't even dispute it because he's—I mean, you even see him playing defense again. It's unbelievable. I mean, his playoff time, high leverage moments. He's making the big blocks. The—he's—he's uh, he's just unbelievable. And that there's really nothing else that could be said and, about him. I will, I will go to my grave saying this. That guy, if you put him in the NFL right now, 
would dominate at receiver or tight end. There's no doubt in my mind. I would agree with that. He's fast. His, he's jump his high speed, and he's strong. His speed, his size, his athletic ability, it would be unmatched. Yeah, basketball worked out real well for him, though. Lots of money there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say so. Basketball is definitely the better choice. If if you have the opportunity to be a great NBA player, a great NFL player, you take basketball. Indeed. The money is significantly different, and obviously far fewer head injuries. So Indeed. Uh, I mean, I'd say the same with baseball, too. If you can play football or baseball, go play oh, baseball Absolutely. As well. Go play baseball. The, the money, if you can really make it in baseball, the money is incredible. Yep. All right, so let's go to the Western Conference here. We got to talk about the Warriors and Rockets because to me, you I'm going to even let you get started first. You can sit here and tell me about Clint Capella, tell me about how they went 50 and 5 when they all played together including the postseason. Tell me about how they dominated the Utah Jazz and all this stuff. And uh, you, stop, 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 stop. stop. <laughs> I, I don't I don't give a shit about any of that. I don't give a shit about any of that. Okay. Cuz Golden State Golden State's winning this series in 5 or 6, okay? Yep. I right, I have you go. no doubt Golden State is has essentially been they've been uh, like sleepwalking for like six months. They are ready to go. Curry's dropping twenty eight points. You got Kevin Durant, who is probably the second best player in in the sport. They're just they're ready to go. They're offended that people think Houston should be favored in the series. I think they're and going to make an example even, uh, out of them. They might, you know, they might even sweep them. They might even sweep. They them. are going to make an example out of them. I am one hundred percent confident. They will win game one by at least 20 points. I am confident they are going to beat them down in game one. I think this series goes five games because I think the Rockets will win game two, get blown out in the Oracle twice, and then they'll lose a closer one in game five, and that'll be it. I have not seen, you know, I was thinking back to James Harden and his, uh, like, just postseason career, and, you know, when it came to big leverage moments, this guy shrinks in big games. Like, big. oh, there were there's been there's been series where he was put on the bench in high leverage situations. Like, do you remember just when, because he was having full meltdowns two do, years ago? He had a full meltdown. Do you remember he wasn't even on the court? Yeah. Do you remember a couple of years ago? Uh, I, I want to say this was three years ago when they were down three one to the Clippers and they were losing by like thirty points and they were down three yeah, one in the series yeah. and the Clippers thought, oh, we're going. Like Chris Paul's probably thinking, I'm going to my first conference finals and the Houston bench. Brought them all the way back. Are you joking? Yeah, the bench. Absolutely, I, I remember. Yeah. I just can't. I just can't with James Harden. I think, and he hasn't. He didn't play great at all last series. By the way, he had one good game. They have only had three games in this postseason so far where CP3 and James Harden have played great together. Three games in ten. That's not going to get it done against Golden State. I am confident Golden State beats them in five. Hundred percent confident, and they will blow them out in game one. Like they're gonna, they're gonna nuke them. They're going to go in there like third quarter run where they'll score like 45 points and Houston will score like 22 and it'll just, the gap will be huge. No, no I, I, I don't disagree with you at all. I, I, I don't think there's any chance this series goes to seven games. I, I just, I don't. Um, Houston has had a great season, but Golden State is just so much, you know, you in the playoffs, having deep team, having depth on your bench, it really doesn't matter. It, it it really does not matter. What matters is how good is your starting five, and how good are like the first two guys off your bench, because that's really all you're playing. You're playing like eight guys max. Yep. So, who is the better top eight? Uh, it's clear. Uh, Golden State. 
Because you look at Houston, you say, who's going to guard Kevin Durant? Oh, Trevor Ariza? That's nice. Is is old-ass Chris Paul going to guard Steph Curry? Nope. And I'm sorry, is P.J. Tucker, who looks like he ate P.J. Tucker, is he going to guard Clay Thompson? Is he going to run around? No, I don't think so. And then, you know, you look inside, Clint Capella going to stop Draymond? I mean, eh, Maybe. Draymond's better, but, but you know, Capella's all right. Yeah, I agree. But I just, I look around and I say, I, I just don't like the matchups. I don't, I don't think that it just, I just don't think it's going to work. I, Golden State has been just on cruise control in the playoffs. And I don't think that's going to change. Yeah. I, now, um, I think that Houston is the only team standing in the way of Golden State's third title. Indeed. And I don't think they're too much of a, let's say, a, of a um, speed bump or anything like that. Really, they're just a speed bump more than anything else. I Because I look at it like this. This is how I break it down. Who has the better coach? I think Steve Kerr is the better coach. Who has the best players? So best player in the series is probably Kevin Durant overall. Second best player is probably Steph Curry, even though people have written off Steph Curry and they think he's a bum player or whatever. Like I see Steph Curry come in and he dominates the other team, like absolutely dominates them. And then James Harden's probably the third best player. CP3 is probably the fourth best player. And then Klay Thompson is like right on their heels. It's not like Klay Thompson's like a distant, like fifth best player. He is every bit as good as like CP3 would be at what he does. And then Draymond Green's probably the next best player. And then Clint Capella is probably the next after that. And it's like, my thing is, okay, like, so they have the two best players on the team. They have like the fifth and sixth best player on, uh, six best players on the court. And then they have uh, Andre Iguodala, who's a great player. Sean Livingston, who's like automatic with his little post-up game that he likes to use. Uh, I mean, oh, man, I, I'm telling you, I think that they're going to make an example out of it because Daryl Morris talked about this. Uh, there, you know, Clint Capella was talking early in the year where he thought they were the better team to talking smack to KD and KD is basically saying, man, you're just a role player type deal. I'm telling you, the Warriors are going to make an example out of these guys. Just like, all right, you want to use all those analytics to try and beat us? We got this. We got you. I'm telling you, the Warriors are going to smoke these guys. It's going to be great. The only, the only way Houston, the only way Houston has a chance is if they just come out and, you know, they continue the jacking up threes routine. But that they just hit a massive number of threes where it's so many threes that you can't compete with it. Yeah. And, you know, look, that can happen in a, you know, a game here or there, but I don't think it's going to happen four times. Yeah, I just don't see it either. Okay. Thought I had Amber Alerts turned off on my phone. Well, that happened for real. <laughs> guess I'll kind of like, I'll do something with that, maybe. So, as you guys know, things can happen in Dallas, Texas over here. Someone was probably like kidnapped in Plano. It's probably how it happens. I'm Plano. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Plano's always on the first 48, man. This is real life, man. Like, uh, Plano, like, uh, what is it? Uh, Albuquerque, oh, my, New Mexico. My, my, wife, my wife is all into the first 48. She's into the first 48. She's into the, uh, what's that? Uh, who is the the lawyer in the O.J. Simpson uh, case? Marsha Clark. Yeah. There's there's a new show with Marsha Clark where she goes into these like old cases and breaks down these like celebrity cases. And I'm like, uh, you know, one one day she was watching it. It was on the uh, uh, 
not Kaylee Anthony was the daughter, but uh, what was the Casey Anthony? Mm-hmm. And uh, we're watching him going, you already know everything about this case. Like, why are you watching this? I said, she's not on, she's not bringing out these revelations. I said, this isn't like we're trying to catch the Zodiac killer. Like <laughs> this is like, we know what happened. She got away with murder. Like, let's move on. Yeah. Not, not that, not that to our audience that I, I don't feel bad for the child that died, but, and I don't mean that we should move on. She should be in jail. That simply put, end of story. Indeed. So that's what happens when your phone randomly goes off with an Amber alert. We end up talking about Casey that, Anthony yeah. and 10 year old murders and, oh God. And now she, she was paying her lawyer with the uh, favors of a triple X <laughs> nature. And I mean, the, the story goes on and on, but we digress back to the, the rockets and warriors. Look, we both agree this. Uh, I, I truly don't believe that anybody's going to stop. Uh, the Warriors this year. I think next year starts to become interesting. I, I'm going to go on record. The, the Warriors are winning the next two series in about ten games total, mm-hmm. and we're about ten. We're about ten games away from crowning a champion, max, maybe nine, maybe eight. <laughs> the interesting thing next year, looking ahead to next year, is where does LeBron end up? Golden State will bring everybody back, I assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, next year, everyone, it, the band will be back together one more time. Uh, the band will be back together. And there was a report today that Clay will take less money to stay. He would take less money to stay. Yeah, there was a report. And I, I, I would too. Why, why, would you, why would you leave? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, look, he's going to end up being like a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, he's probably going to be a Hall of Famer anyway, but he's definitely going to be like regarded as one of the best. Like, obviously, he's not going to be like Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant when it comes to like a two guard type thing. But as far as like good team players, like and the Splash Brothers being a backcourt, and his like, defense, his defense yeah, is man. fantastic. This guy doesn't listen. He's he's cut from a different cloth. First off, like this yeah. is a guy who cares about how cares about his like finances and his mom is like a finance woman. His dad played in the NBA and yep. th- they're just like a really kind of well put together family. And the mother has really advised them well with his finances and not overspending your means because the money will run out. He's just, a, he's a smart guy and he's a really good defensive player, highly underrated, probably the most underrated defensive player in the league. Indeed. Especially when it comes to playoff time, because he just always shows up defensively, especially being asked to guard some of the hardest like defensive matchups that you can have and doing a great job in the playoffs. Well, what I love about Clay Thompson too is he is big in the biggest moments, man. Like when I think of Clay Thompson, everyone points to like the uh sixty point game with in twenty nine minutes, they'll point to the thirty seven point quarter. But man, a couple years ago when Golden State was down to Oklahoma City in that 73-win season in Game 6. Yeah, like and he, he drops 11 threes. I it's mean, like, <laughs> man, like this guy is such a big game player, man. He's unbelievable to me. I, I totally agree. And, uh, you know, that series really sort of solidified his status as just how good he is. And honestly, like, here's the thing about Golden State. Out of those big four guys, I thought when Durant went there, somebody would really receive the short end of the, of the stat stick. You know, stats are really important to a lot of guys. Indeed. But you look at these guys, all four of them still have really good stats. 
Yeah, I mean, I, it's like they've taken the stats away from their bench. Essentially, that's what they've done. Yeah, that's you know I mean, you you don't have Iguodala averaging like ten points anymore. Yeah, he's averaging like five. Yeah, he's getting the easiest. Like, what is he like getting like sixteen million dollars a year? He's getting like the easiest sixteen million dollars a year there is. Come out occasionally, guard like a three or a four, and you just sit back on the bench and then watch these other guys just dominate. Yeah, so I mean. I think next I think next year is going to be way more interesting than this year just because I feel like this year we've kind of all along thought that there was two teams in the West that could get to the finals mm-hmm. and maybe like three teams in the East, maybe four. But we really felt like the East was a toss-up and they were basically just competing to be the sacrificial lamb in the finals. Yep, and that's what's going to happen because, look, for as great as LeBron is, that he can't be Golden State by himself. It's just not going to happen, man. Like Kevin Love would have to play a whole lot better. Like he's been playing pretty good too the last couple games, but it's the not prob- good enough. The pro the problem with the two Eastern teams is I look at Boston and I say they don't have an I don't think they have enough offense to compete. Yeah, because their games, they've been getting to like the 90s and that's it. And the majority of them, I mean, their last game, I want to say it was what, like one? Yeah, it was high scoring. It was like yeah. 111 and the, and the 110s essentially. Yeah, but that but either, that's still not good enough. Like Golden State can p- drop like 130 on oh, you. Oh, easily, easily. But the, the, the two teams in the West can. Yeah. Cleveland, I don't think, can play good enough defense to – I don't think that the Cleveland can play defense to hang with the other two teams. Yeah. But like I said – if LeBron goes and drops 40 a night against Houston, I think they can beat Houston. Houston, I give them a chance. Against Golden State, not a chance. Sounds about right. Next year is, the, next year is, the, is truly the interesting thing. And let me ask this. If you had to put money on it, where is LeBron playing next year? Cleveland. If I was putting money. You think he's back in Cleveland? Yeah. What, do you I think, do you think gonna that them, they t- I think they're going to get the number one pick. I think that it's just going to work so you, out for them. You think that Brooklyn pick stays with Cleveland? I do. I do. I don't think so. I mean, the odds are low, so it would obviously take like a it would take like a con job by the NBA to I mean, like. Didn't uh, they do the, that you know, the, the year the old uh, left? Patrick? Well, they, yeah, they got the number one pick when they like the ninth best odds or whatever. Yeah, they got Kyrie um, Irving, man. Come on, like it can happen. They'll they'll do something like that. What I think is going to happen is what whatever pick they get could have a major impact on whether LeBron stays. And let me ask: Do you think that LeBron staying in Cleveland is what the league office would want? I don't think it matters. Like, you know, I think, I think if LeBron went to like Philly or he went to LA, if he went to LA, I think that's, that's what they would want. Oh, I agree. That's definitely what they want. Now. I think that LeBron though, he transcends all of that. Like, Oh, they need to be in a certain city. Like, do you remember when uh, Peyton Manning was in Indianapolis? It's the same type of thing. Like it didn't matter where Peyton Manning actually was. He was the biggest star in the NFL that point in time. That's what LeBron is. LeBron can play in Milwaukee. He could go to Toronto. Like he could go anywhere. It doesn't matter. LeBron's LeBron. Like he's the guy. He's the cash cow. So I don't think it matters. I mean, this is what it comes down to for me. There's really only one team that's going to be on the radar that can potentially, well, two teams really that can potentially beat LeBron. Toronto's not going to get there. So you can wipe them off the list. It's going to be Boston and it's going to be Philadelphia, excuse me. Now, Boston and Philly, that's it. So if 
if I were LeBron James, I would probably go to Philadelphia being completely honest, because if you look at what Kevin Durant did, he made a, like he did a, a lot of people call it a coward move. I just thought it was the only move that you could make. And I just think that LeBron needs to do something similar, man. If you want to get yourself in position to compete with a team like the Warriors, you need guys that can get it done. Now he's probably going to have to like whoever his coach was for shooting, he'll have to ship him over to Ben Simmons so he can get that figured out because I mean, Ben Simmons can't work in a LeBron system where he's dominating the ball because he can't shoot. Like Ben Simmons will be sitting on the bench with Markel Fultz because th- you got to be able to shoot if you're playing with LeBron. So uh, I do think Philadelphia would be a good option for him. I know he'll never go to Boston, but Boston would definitely be a good fit for him as well. I think that Golden State with Kyrie and Hayward and you know whoever they get uh, draft-wise, uh, I think that that could potentially be interesting as well. I mean, people say Houston would be a good fit, but I don't know, man. Houston is just so much hero ball, man. It's like, what are you going to do? Have like Chris Paul play hero for a minute, have LeBron play hero for a couple minutes, and then James Harden. It's like, it's just overkill, man. Like you got to, I don't. But here's the thing. He is close to Chris Paul and we've seen what, LeBron's relationships with people, the impact that it has on where he goes. Yeah, but look, he can get Chris Paul to go to Cleveland, man. Like, Chris Paul's a free agent after this year. So this is, I mean, Houston is basically banking on the fact that they believe that this year's success will mean that he will stay in Houston. But he can peace out after this season. I mean, if they get blown out by Golden State and they know that they're not even close— I mean, uh, but let's say let's say they go six games. I think he's coming back to Houston. I, I don't disagree. I mean, I I think or, Chris Paul— or, or he turns around and says, "Hey, LeBron, wherever you're going, I'm going." He could do that too. He definitely could. I'll take I'll take less money and go play in in Philadelphia, or I'll I'll take less money. Or hey, LeBron, what if what if we both went to like uh, some some wild card team? What if it was like the Knicks with Porzingis or or Milwaukee, like some something crazy. They could. I mean, Milwaukee would be a good option because, again, you can pick your own coach. I mean, you could pick everything you want. I mean, like I said, if LeBron's just thinking about himself, I would say go to Philadelphia. If he can get other people like Chris Paul to go with him, I mean, <clears throat> realistically, I mean, he could I mean, he could stay in Cleveland. I don't love Kevin Love, though. I mean, the other thing they can do is they can ship Kevin Love out with that pick, like you were talking about or alluding to earlier, get a real, like, a legit number two, and then... Or you can just get Chris Paul and then get someone else who could be like a real third banana, let's say at that point, and have Chris Paul kind of run the show and LeBron you is know, taking I, a break. I, I, I didn't even think about that with the, uh, you know, I, I definitely thought about trading the pick for a player, but God, you could get a top notch. Yeah, that's what I'm you saying. You could get a top notch player. Kevin Love in the pick, and then have Chris Paul come sign with you? Yeah, exactly. Then all of a sudden, it's LeBron, it's Chris Paul, and whomever. Yeah, I mean, I mean, get- I, you know, obviously you would have to put a name to it. Like, if you're thinking about bad teams, uh, or not bad, yeah, maybe, maybe yeah, you look at a bad team, or a middle-of-the-road team who's looking to trade like a star player. I mean, could you get Kawhi Leonard? That's what I'm talking about. Could you? Could you get Kawhi Leonard? I mean, say I'll give you I'll give you Kevin Love and like the the eighth overall pick, that might get it done. That's clearly a toxic relationship in San Antonio. Yeah, it's definitely not a good one. So Chris 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 Paul, LeBron, and Kawhi. And then if he wants a new coach, he can get one too. So 
but you're still in charge <laughs> of the organization. <laughs> I mean, GM LeBron would really be at work in that situation. Indeed. Um, but yeah, that, that, that team absolutely I'd give, and they're in the Eastern conference. So they have yeah. a better chance to get into the finals. And yeah, absolutely. I'd give that team a chance to beat the warriors for yep. sure. Yep. Because so, the warriors would be another year of that. Like we're bored by the regular season and the, the, the longer that that goes on, the, the more bored you get by the regular season, the harder the, harder the playoffs start to become. Yes, it becomes harder and harder. Yep. So I think that that is something that would could realistically be done. And I would see that as a good move, to be completely honest. I think that they can pull it off. Uh, they'll have, I mean, listen, Cleveland, they'll trade away anything for LeBron anyway at this point. They'll trade away like the 2030 first round pick. They don't care. Well, because they know, they know what's at stake if he leaves. Yeah. If he leaves, that team's winning 20 games next year. I mean, come on. <laughs> It's true, though, man. It's true. The guy's the MVP. He's been the MVP since he walked into the league. I mean, it's that simple. Uh, You know, God, every time he leaves the team, the next year that team wins 20 games. Yep. That's a LeBron impact, man. Part of it, though, part of it is that LeBron James is such a bad GM. It's really (laughs) – that's a big part of it. I mean, GM LeBron is so bad. It is. Uh, he it, he blows my mind sometimes. He blows my mind. Like, he just wants to surround himself by friends. And I get wanting to like the people you play with. But I guess when you're picking the coach and you're picking the other players, you got to like them. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. So if I were Cleveland, that that would be what I would consider. Because, uh, I mean, they tried to do like a nice trade for um, Paul George back in the day uh, before he got traded to Oklahoma City. And that's when did, uh, yeah. uh, I forgot who it was specifically. I think it was the owner, Dan Gilbert. He said that they were offered something better than what they actually got for Paul George. And clearly it's because they didn't want Paul George to be in the Eastern Conference and to ultimately be their undoing. So, I mean, you know, again, if you can get yourself a nice player out there, I mean, why not go get him if you can? I mean, there are a bunch of players that, you know, teams that might be willing to part with uh, players and individuals. I mean, I don't know, just looking out there, I mean, I can't even think of, like, anyone specifically. I mean, I don't know who LeBron would want. I mean, he probably wouldn't want, like, in Portland to probably look at getting rid of, like, McCollum or Dame Lillard, like, one of those guys. But I don't think either one of those are the right fit for what LeBron likes to do. Um, trying to think who else. Uh, I mean, you know, you could, you could go with a Paul George. Uh I don't think you have to trade for him, though. I mean, you could just well, you would have to, but you would have to trade salary that matches up. So you you essentially would do a sign and trade. Yeah, send Kevin Love the other way. Keep keep the eighth pick. Um, but then the problem is Chris Paul would have to be a sign and trade as well. So you you might have to throw in that you might have to throw in that Brooklyn pick. Yeah, I think that ultimately what they'll have to do is get the they'll have to ship some stuff out of there. But I think they can make it work logistically. I think that if they if they trade Kevin Love the pick and like Tristan Thompson, let's say Mm -hmm. they can absolutely bring in two star players. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying, man. Like they can, like there's room for Cleveland to make some moves. So that's why I think gun to my head, LeBron will be in Cleveland next year for that reason. Specifically. I think that they have the ability to make the moves and they can get the right type of talent around LeBron. It's unfortunate. Like to me, the most unfortunate thing is that, the New Orleans Pelicans did as well as they did this year because they actually think they're on the road to somewhere, even though they're not. And they could have maybe got Anthony Davis or something like that. I mean, I've been saying like, I've been beating down the doors for like two years saying Boston should have traded the farm for Anthony Davis, but 
they never they never got it done. Now I think that ship has kind of sailed. So um, yeah, it is what it is with that. You can't do anything there. Yeah, you know, I, you kind of wonder. I know most people just kind of overlook this concept, but or this you know way to look at the whole LeBron. It's like LeBron will go anywhere to that puts him in the best situation. But LeBron also has a wife and three children. Mm-hmm. They already did the Miami move and then back to Cleveland. Yeah, they are from Akron. Him and his wife are from Akron. They went to high school together. Um, and you know what? He's got a he's got like a what a fourteen year old, a twelve year old, and like a five year old or something like that. Yeah. <sighs> I think he stays, man. I just think that's what it comes down to. I mean, do you, I think- do you think do you think a dad really wants to move his fourteen year old kid when he's about to go to high school? Nope. I don't think so. Especially in the kid in middle school. He says, hey, if I can get two other star players, we can keep keep this thing going for another couple of years. That's enough time until my kids get out of school. Yeah, I think LeBron, he will definitely be in the NBA four years from now. I think he'll, I know a lot of people are like, oh, Anthony Davis is knocking on the door as far as like best player in the league. I don't even think it's really that close, to be honest. I think Anthony Davis, like he did, statistically, he looked nice against the Warriors. But man, there were so many things about him that got exposed. Like he cannot uh, control the ball and like make decisions. Like he's not a decision maker. And I think we talked about this in a previous podcast. If you can't make decisions, it's very, very tough for you to, you need someone that's a really good decision maker that can feed you the ball. And I know Drew Holiday and Rajon Rondo played as well as they possibly could, but they're not the type of players that are going to like that really strike fear in the other team. Like no one's saying, oh shit, Rajon Rondo. Like they're saying, Please, Rajon Rondo, please put up that 18 Please shoot, yeah. But Ray John, uh, playoff Ray John is way better than regular season Ray John. No, I, mean, I agree. He I agree. was, I mean, he, 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 you know, guys like that you kind of love and hate. There's been, there's been a lot of soccer players like that over the years that are like that, where it's like they're bored by, they're bored by the league games, but then in Europe, they're like these amazing players. Yeah. It's just, uh, yeah, I, I, Anthony, Anthony, part of Anthony Davis's problem is I feel like it's the way the league has gone, obviously, especially with the increased three point shooting and and that sort of stuff. Especially, it started kind of in, in the Michael Jordan era, and even in the even in the eighties, the league became very guard centric, peri- per- perimeter oriented. Yeah, yeah, it became guard centric, and it's much easier to control a game from the perimeter. Because you are handling the ball the majority of the time. Yep. And the problem with a guy like Anthony Davis is, yeah, okay, Drew Holiday is a decent player. And listen, if you put like a Damian Lillard with him, I'm sure that team would be really, really good. Yep. That's what. Or that's if, what or if you gave him, him, or if you gave him like a Steph Curry or Chris Paul, you could be looking at he could really be putting otherworldly numbers up. And, yep. And then, then their supporting cast would be greatly benefited because they have such a good guard playing with them. But the problem in today's NBA is that if you don't have the guard play, a center is essentially like he's tits on a bull. He's yep. useless. You just – you can't – the center is – it's pointless because he doesn't control the ball. He's not facilitating. He's basically a scorer or a rebounder. And that's, you know, those things are the result of shots going up from the perimeter. Yep. And or him putting his own shots up. So, you know, it's just, it's unfortunate that he's been in New Orleans and, 
you know, I guess <laughs> I said in the, 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 the playoff preview, each one more has no business being the league, let alone starting for a playoff team. Yep. And I, I just go back to that every single time that I talk about New Orleans is he's starting for you. Like you're not winning anything. You're not winning more than a round with that. It's just not happening. Yeah, they got very and, lucky. And I against feel Portland. bad. You, you have to feel bad. You have to feel bad for a guy. Like, hey, you take McCollum and Lillard and put him in New Orleans. All of a sudden, that team would all of a really sudden, be a that problem. Team's, that for team's Golden an State. absolute contender, total contender. Yep. Two really good guards and probably the best interior player in the league. Yeah, I love CJ McCollum. I don't know if you watched uh, First Things First. I watched like little highlights and stuff. I was uh, flipping through Facebook. And uh, Nick Wright, as you know, he hates Golden State, so he's picking the Rockets in seven. And CJ McCollum's kind of like, so you think that the Houston Rockets are better than the Warriors? Like, he just flat out asked them, like, are you an idiot? Like, it was really funny. If you get the chance to see that clip, it's totally worth it. It's just like, you think that the Houston Rockets are better than the Warriors and are going to beat them in seven? Like, he just asked them just flat out like that. It was really funny. I, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, yeah, it's it's a rhetorical question. It's it's a perfect question because I just look at the Warriors and I say they're they're t- they're too in their prime to to lose. Yeah. This isn't the 4 Lakers against the Pistons where you know you have an old man Malone and old man Peyton, and then the Shaq and Kobe thing was like at the height of its feud. Yeah, it's like the Warriors. They still love each other, man. It's ridiculous. They do. They love each other. They actually love each other. And they're just, they're not going to lose. And people, you know, this is, you know, I've brought this up several times. It's to me, it's, I find it kind of sad the state the NBA is in. And I know that we've had teams go in three and four year winning periods. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I just think it's really sad. I really do. I, I think it's sad that the only league the only sports league in America where we pretty much know going into the season which teams are going to end up in the in the final four teams standing mm-hmm. or the final two is the NBA. It's that's how important that how, that that's how important a good player is. And I think when the league expanded to you know the thirty or thirty however many teams there's like thirty or thirty one something mm-hmm. like that. When the league expanded to thirty teams. That's when it really became a problem. And I know that teams had dynasties going on before that. And the Lakers and Celtics played in a ton of finals in the 80s. But they only played each other a few times. Yeah, I mean, they played five times against each other. And it wasn't like all back-to-back because the 76ers made it in between there. And then eventually the Pistons knocked out the Boston Celtics. And they were the one facing the Lakers. Yeah, if you look at the 80s in the East, it was... You had Boston. Mm-hmm. You had the Sixers. Yep. Detroit. Yep. That might have been it. That might have been if that yeah, might for have the been 80s. That the was East. it. Those are the only three teams that made it to the finals in the 80s. Houston made it twice from the West. Yep. Portland made it once. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lakers made it a bunch of times. Yeah. No, that, that's probably about, that's probably about it. Um, I think there might have been a, uh, maybe a few others sprinkled in there, but it's just it's I, I just find it. So one thing about the NBA that's really tough when you're not one of those teams that have like the best player in the league or one of the best like three players in the league. Yeah, you you genuinely feel like we have no chance of winning, and if you're a 40 win team, you might as well 
you might as well just not exist because nobody cares. No, there's truth to that. I listen, the NBA has always been like this to a degree. I mean, before the season starts, you know who the contenders are going to be. You know, wherever LeBron is, you know that the Warriors, with all that talent are going to be there at the end. Uh, we didn't know how Houston was going to be this year. Obviously, they kind of overperformed what most people thought Houston was going to do this year. So that was good. Uh, <clears throat> Toronto had a good season, but they got wiped out. Boston's a good story. I mean, the NBA still does have good stories. And the thing that the NBA really, really does a good job with is marketing their stars. So even like in February, you know, even though you know that the Milwaukee Bucks aren't going to be competing for a championship, you still want to see what Giannis is going to do. So even though the NBA does have its issues, and I don't want to say that the playing field is uh, equal or anything like that. I think the league is fine as is, man. At the end of the day, you have to come up with different ways and new ways to try and beat the Warriors. I mean, the Warriors aren't unbeatable. Like, let me be very clear. You, the way to beat the Golden State Warriors, you got to pound these guys on the inside. That's why the Pelicans, if DeMarcus Cousins wouldn't have been injured, they would have given the Warriors genuine problems because you just pound them inside. Draymond Green can't guard Boogie Cousins. Like, that, that's just not happening. So, well, yeah, I mean, look, the, the thing with the Warriors is uh, in the series where they've been taken deep into a series, length has been their biggest problem. Yeah. When they play a defense with a lot of length, they have problems. And well, you saw with, uh, you know, you saw when they played, uh, obviously when they lost uh, to Cleveland mm-hmm. and when they played Oklahoma City, yep. when they played a very tall lineup, when they play against tall teams. They have problems. And it was, you know, in the regular season this year against Utah. And I know I know we say, well, Utah lost to Houston, all this stuff. But, you know, Rubio is like a six foot five, six foot six point guard. Mm-hmm. Donovan Mitchell is like what, about six four? Yeah. Uh you know, Gobert inside is really long. He's huge, yep. They're a very big team. And the more size you have, it the problem that it causes is that obviously Golden State has to they kind of have to think about, do we make adjustments? Can we go with the small lineup or do we have to adjust to their size? And and plus the size defensively gives Golden State problems because, hey, you know what? It's hard to beat guys that are taller than you. It is. Yep. That's why I think, I will say this though, ever since they got Katie, that hasn't been as much of a problem because he single-handedly is like the equalizer to all that because he's pretty much that guy that can't be guarded by anyone. Like there's no one probably in NBA history that can check him like ever. He's one of the elite scorers of all time. And he's like seven feet tall and the guy can shoot ball and away. He can take it to the hole. He can shoot from like 35 feet away. The guy basically has everything in an offensive repertoire standpoint. He can post people up and you know, you'd see them getting like switches all the time. Like uh, even in the series against uh, new Orleans, like they'd be, Rajon Rondo be doing his thing and they'd run a, you know, a quick screen and get Rajon Rondo on Kevin Durant. And it was just free. It was free buckets, man. Like, I mean, I think McCollum said it best. He's shooting over chairs where it's basically just people that are way smaller than him. Like they're not even impeding his shot. And he gets to that like 12 footer on the baseline. No problem. It goes in automatic. And that, I mean, Think about it. They've only lost three games in the postseason since Kevin Durant has been in Golden State. And they're they're about to I think they're gonna wipe out the Rockets as well. So I think you're just gonna see more of the same. They might lose two more games, and it'll mean they would have lost five postseason games in two years. 
which is I, I don't even think they're going to break a sweat. And yeah. you know, it's it's. I wish the league was a bit more competitive, but I understand that unlike other sports, because you only have five guys on a court at a time, that's why one player can dominate as much. You know, you look at the other sports; it's there's so many more players at play. Uh, and the impact that one player has is not as great. Um, yeah, I mean, apart from soccer, I mean, I think that's probably the only sport that you can compare it to. If you have the best player in the field, you have a great chance to win. Yeah. Um, same with basketball. You're the best player on the court, you have a great chance to win. And uh, MLB, uh, definitely not the story in NFL. No, definitely not in it depends, baseball. It depends either. if it's a quarter. It depends if it's a quarterback. Yeah, quarterback you will know, get you over the top. I mean, if you have Aaron Rodgers or something like that, you'll be in pretty good but shape. But even even in the NFL, it's like you can beat a team with a great quarterback with a mediocre quarterback as long as everything else around it's mm-hmm. good. And and you have a good coach. But in the NBA, it really just comes down to talent. And that's why that's why I sort of just laugh with some of these teams where it's like they're firing coaches left and right. It's like, oh, he's not getting the maximum out of the team. It's like, yeah, does it does it really matter? Like you don't have the talent to win. So what does it matter who's coaching the team? Let the guy coach the team. Well, what does it matter? No, like, I agree. There's at only... the end of the day, the best thing you can do is honestly what, what teams like the Sixers did or what, what Cleveland did after. I mean, Cleveland didn't intentionally do it. Cleveland kind of lucked into it a few times. Yeah. But, you know, the, you know, Golden State, think about the way that team was constructed. They, they got a guy with like the sixth overall pick. They got a guy. Tenth. Was it late in the first round or middle of the first round with Clay Thompson? Yeah, he was with a Draymond Green was a second round pick. Yep. Uh, you know Durant was free agency. They're the exception. They only like, had two free agent signings, really. When you think about it, it was Iguodala and Kevin Durant. That's it. Those are like the only real two. In a, in a way, Milwaukee has done something similar with some of the talent. I know they had Jabari number one overall, but you look at the rest of like Giannis. It was a middle, you know, middle of the first round. Uh, Brogdon, I think, was like a second round pick. Like, yeah their squad has kind of been put together like because they got when, when you hit the jackpot in the middle of the first round that's the key no i because agree that, that that then once you have a star then everybody else wants to come to you it doesn't that's, it doesn't matter where you are as long as you have a star people want to play for you no it's true i was going to mention jabari parker man i can't believe he's still in the nba man he's like greg odin disease like just every time you get out of bed you're injured it's ridiculous bad for that it's guy. unfortunate it's definitely unfortunate but he, uh i think he would have been really good with uh I, I don't know i like what milwaukee has as well i mean i they again they were just one coach away from being able to move on who knows they maybe could have even made a conference finals uh i mean the sixers obviously imploded and ben simmons can't shoot so they were really like one coach away they would have had brad stevens they probably would have been in the no, conference I've, finals we've said it in every round and and maybe it'll come back around in this next series Look, I, I, I do believe the Boston series is a toss-up. I think mm-hmm. the Golden State one's not, but I think Golden State will will just pound either team in the finals. It, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And I, I think we're looking at, you know, three times in four years and probably should have been four in a row. And Where do you think this yeah, Golden State Yeah, it should State have been team? four in a row. So let me – this is an interesting question because, you know, on sports, uh, like all throughout the headlines this week, for whatever reason, there's a whole lot of revisiting, like who's greater, Michael Jordan or uh, LeBron James. Do you do you think this Warriors team is the greatest team ever? Like, do you think – like, I don't know why that question doesn't get asked because I think that, honestly, they might very well be, like, the greatest team ever assembled. 
Um, and I will say this. I, th- I, I think it's, I think it's, I don't want to talk about like rules of each individual era. I'm talking about like teams that have dominated their era. Like are in terms they, of how much they've dominated. Yeah. Cause I mean, you have like the bulls in the nineties, you have the eighties Lakers. I know there was the uh, early two thousands uh, Lakers as well. Uh, the Spurs had a couple years there, but they were more like on and off every other year. They weren't like, they were consistently good, but they weren't like, yeah, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to compare eras. Cause if you think about it, like I know when the Celtics won in the sixties, they won like eight in a row in 11 and 13 years. Yeah. But the competition I mean, wasn't the, really that great. The competition was so bizarre. There were so few teams. The league was mostly white. And I mean, I don't need to get into like a, a, a political type thing, but obviously, you know, <laughs> That 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 was a little unrealistic in terms of the best basketball players. Yeah. Um. The Jordan Bulls were clearly one of the best ever. Like, there's no yeah, doubt. Yeah, they're up there. They're up there. Yeah. Look, I think that the Warriors, the Warriors are clearly the the best of of this like last ten years in terms of a dynasty. There's there's always dynasties in the NBA. Every decade has a dynasty. Mm-hmm. Except the seventies. The seventies are just kind of like a mishmash of garbage. Um, the eighties kind of had two teams that won a bunch of titles. Uh, the nineties obviously had one. Mm-hmm. Well, Houston won two in the nineties, and then the Lakers. And the Lakers. The Lakers came around. The Lakers won. I mean, Kobe won a ton of titles. Yeah, he between, won five. Oh, two one and eras. ten. Yeah, but like you think about it, like he had that little gap in the middle. But over the course of like a ten-year period of time, the guy won like five titles. Yeah. That's a lot, man. I mean, man. and he went to lot. six, went to six, uh, sorry, went to seven finals. Yeah, that's a lot, man. Like, you know, people, <laughs> I mean, that, people... That's overlooked. I mean, Kobe played in seven finals. Yeah, people sweep Kobe under the, like, because, you know, it's assumed that LeBron James, I mean, I think that we both agree that LeBron James is an all-time greater player than Kobe Bryant, but, I mean, Kobe was a savage, man. People forget, like, the Black Mamba. Like, they think of, like, the injured ball hog and Kobe Bryant. Like, they, that was a bad boy, man. Like he was a bad dude in his prime. The league was so different then. It's it's funny. It's like we're talking about something that wasn't even ten years ago, but the league was so different. Yeah, I agree. You know, a lot of people like, are the way that- teams are playing is just, and some of the some of the athletes are just. I mean, I couldn't even dream up guys like Giannis. Oh yeah, I mean his hands like, are ridiculous. Giannis, Giannis is like literally six eleven and is the is right up there athletically with LeBron. Mm-hmm. It's have you seen the size of his hands? Like I saw a picture of like his hands. Like uh, you got to look this up. Like if you're behind your computer, look it up right now. Uh, no, I, I I've I've looked this up before. I've looked this up before. Because NFL combine time at work we. We were having a conversation about hand size and somebody, you know, somebody who didn't like know a whole lot about like why the hell are people measuring hand size? I was like, well, hand size is like important. Because, yeah, for wide receiver especially, man. And quarterback, man. Because if you get sacked, if uh, you have small hands. Is, it's huge. For, like Jerry Rice's hands were enormous. Yeah. Um, and, and I remember like I, somehow I got this authentic NFL ball. Mm-hmm. And this was like in the last like maybe like you know sometime after college I got an authentic NFL ball and obviously I played played quarterback in high school and um and I've I've held those like tackified NFL balls yeah 
like where they got like this a little bit of stickiness on them. They're not like the traditional true leather and had no issue gripping them whatsoever. I took an authentic NFL ball. The NFL ball is a little fatter mm-hmm. than, than the college ball or the high school ball. It's slightly fatter. And let me tell you, hand size makes a huge difference. Like if, if it was raining, there'd be no way I could throw that ball. And I don't have ter- I don't have huge hands, but I don't have I don't have like terribly small hands for the for the normal person. Yeah. Like it was like nine and a quarter. But these guys, there's a reason they're looking for ten inch hands in the in the NFL. Because it's important for gripping the ball. Indeed. Which is what makes Aaron Rodgers all the more impressive. He's like nine and three eighths, and I'm thinking, God, he has no issue gripping these balls. That's incredible. Um but yeah, I mean, Giannis, what is it? He's got like 14-inch hands, is Yeah, it? oh my God. I'm looking at this picture of him and like with you know Rachel what, like, Nichols. If, you know, it's like if you have 10-inch hands to, to 11-inch hands, those are considered shovels. Yeah. <laughs> and he has – his hands His hands are essentially – like if you compare it to like oh – God, I'm trying to think. I think I read Michael Jordan had – 12 inch hands, something yeah, like that. Michael Jordan had some huge hands too. 11, he had like 11 and a half inch hands or something. And just so people understand, the measurement of a hand is basically from the tip of the thumb to the tip of the pinky. It's like when you spread your fingers as far as you can. There's another way to measure it from the base of your palm to the top of your middle finger. So it's basically like measuring overall width of your hands. And Giannis is like, Giannis has basically the largest hands we've ever seen. <laughs> like he's like ET. He's ET. Yeah, I mean, dude, it's ridiculous, man. Like his hands. I mean, I feel like he can hold like a basketball like between his pointer and his thumb. Like he can just put a basketball in between those two fingers. So like you, those videos of Dr. J and Michael. One of the things Michael used to do to taunt people was. He would hold the ball. He would palm the ball. And he would basically just keep it at his side, palmed. And he would basically taunt the defender like, I am in such control of this ball, you can't even steal this right now. Like, nobody else would even be able to do that because their hands aren't big enough. And he would hold it basically at his side and be taunting them with the ball. Like, go ahead and try to get it. I guarantee you're not going to be able to touch it because I mean, I, it's basically like me holding a tennis ball mm-hmm. and it's the same thing with these guys. Like Giannis's hands are so big. And I think the other like largest hands are like Bobon, you know, that guy with oh, uh, the yeah. Clippers. Yeah. He's got like 15 inch hands, but he's also like seven foot six. Yeah. I'm like looking at a picture of him like right now. It's like, Oh my gosh, man. It's like these hands. I mean, they're like freaking like bear paws. These guys' fingers are as long as our hands, basically. That's that's how big their hands are. Yeah, I mean, his hand looks like the size. Like his hand, like he could grab my torso, man. It's it's unbelievable. It's like it's you can't even like think about this, right? They could basically touch their middle finger and their thumb to each other on their left and right hands just by putting it around your waist. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Oh my lord! Et man, I tell you that—that's his new nickname on our on this podcast. Forever moving forward, Giannis's nickname is Et. That's it. My there you goodness. go. I think it's a good place to uh, to wrap things up tonight. We'll be back next week. 
uh, on the LeBron and OD podcast. It's been fun. I think it's been uh, really looking forward to this next round of the NBA playoffs. And uh, as the baseball season progresses a little bit, we'll start to get into the baseball season. Indeed. And, uh, you know, NFL minicamps are starting to come around. Hopefully the final free agent signings will start to find uh, homes. And as we get into the summer, it'll definitely start to take more of a baseball and football uh, trajectory. And uh, really looking forward to it. Happy that uh, you guys are tuning in. Keep tuning in. Give us uh, great reviews on iTunes and uh, whatever other uh, program you're uh, listening on or other app you're listening on. For Kyle LeBron, this is Brian O'Donnell. It's been fun. Indeed. Take care.